1: What's up, what's up, what's up, so what's up, y'all this is classified. This is Mocha only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, I'm brother Ali. Fight Diggy, Tribe Call Quest, Eloquent Man. What up, Styles the Ghost? This is absolute This is KO. And you listening to the Come Up Show where that feel good music lives. This is the show that you come up on. Yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong.
0: What's going on? Welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm Martin Bauman, and today I am talking to one of the most talented freestylers. ...in all of hip-hop. My guest today has a lot to say. Half Iranian, half black, and at one time half of the rap group The Frontline. In many ways, he's an embodiment of the American dream, son of two parents from different backgrounds looking for a better future for the next generation. He's a graduate of UC Berkeley, he holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in African American Studies, and for years he worked as a mentor to young kids... On the microphone, he sticks out just as much. He was a finalist in MTV's 2003 MC Freestyle Championship. He hasn't written a verse down in 15 years. He's also had his share of hardships, too. As a kid, he was picked on for his mixed-race heritage, and he was sexually abused. After exercising those demons on a thousand cuts and reminiscing on his neighborhood on the green box, Lofty Goals is all about looking ahead and striving for more. It's about overcoming self-doubt. It's about letting go of pride. I caught up with Locksmith to talk about insecurity, race in America, putting love first, and much more. Take a listen. One review that uh, I was reading while I was listening to Lofty Goals and digging back into checking out A Thousand Cuts. One review called uh, A Thousand Cuts about struggle and Lofty Goals about the light at the end of that struggle. How do you like that comparison?
1: Um, I think yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty good comparison. I, I remember that review. I'm not sure who who did that or who said that, but I do remember that, and um, I think that's a fair. I think that is a fair comparison. I think that um, yeah, like it, it's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like you may not be like I don't know if anybody ever reaches the light because you're always like striving, you're always struggling, but I believe that lofty goals is like believing that there is a light. You know.
0: So it's the optimism side of things coming out.
1: I definitely believe so, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Someone on Twitter asked you, you were doing a a question and answer bit for a little while, uh, a while back, and someone asked you, what means more, looking back and seeing how far you've come or looking forward to see how far you could go? Uh, And you replied, I feel like they're both connected. Can you dig into that?
1: Yeah, I believe that um, because it's all a part of the process. You know what I mean? The process is like one thing that I've you know, sometimes it's a struggle to deal with it, but one thing that I've that I've tried to to, to accept and I've tried to learn like, is like this while doing music is to be focused on the process. You know what I mean? Fo- like enjoy the process, enjoy the fact that even though it's difficult, you know what I mean, sometimes as an artist, especially independent when you're when you're working and and you're constantly you know, you're, you know, like for myself, you know, uh, running my own business, you know, uh, producing a lot of my own work, writing raps, touring, um, doing all these different things, you know, uh, looking for strategies and, you know, cause this is all, this is really independent. You know what I mean? Like some people say they're independent, but when you're really independent and you're really working constantly trying to, you know, you're dedicating your life, you're dedicating to what you truly believe in, your art form, um, it's it's a process. So sometimes you get lost in the process. Sometimes you, you 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 get lost in the struggle. But sometimes you have to sit there and and also um, be grateful for the accomplishments and the things that you have and everything that you've accomplished and everything that you're looking forward you know that you're looking forward to. So it's like you it, it's all interconnected. You know, like you can't you you know you can't look forward without looking back, and you can't look back without looking forward because you're in the process. You know, I think when you start thinking. At least for myself, when I start looking at it as like a third party, then I don't know. Then I get lost. I'll never be able to catch up. So it's like I'm constantly, I'm constantly in it. I'm constantly going, and and I'm appreciative for it too. You know. So I have to just—I don't know—I feel like they're all connected. I feel like, you know, looking back and looking forward, it's all part of the process, and you have to focus on the process and enjoy the process while you're doing it. At the same time, because at the end of the day, I am doing what I love. I'm grateful to be doing what I love, so I'm I'm accepting of the process.
0: Let's look back for a little bit. First of all, what was it like for you growing up in Crescent Park in Richmond?
1: Growing up in Crescent Park, it it was—it was—it was a lot of things, man. I mean, one thing. First of all, um, I mean Crescent Park was a hood, you know. It was a housing project. It it is still a housing project in Richmond. Um, um you know, it, you know, it was in the eighties, you know, late eighties, early nineties. It was uh, you know violence and stuff going on. There's still a lot of violence going on there, but I think that was like the start, kind of like the real start of like the heavy violence and stuff like that. And uh, but one of the things that was really beneficial for me. I had both my parents, you know, I grew up with both my parents, my mother and my father, my father being, you know, an immigrant from, from Iran, my mother being a black woman from the Midwest. Um, and then, you know, they had me and, you know, um, so I was, you know, very, uh, it was very beneficial and I was very grateful to have both my parents. And I didn't realize that, you know, the impact that I have on my life until later on. But, you know, a lot of my friends or a lot of people in the neighborhood, they necessarily didn't have that, you know? So I had that. I had a little bit of shelter, a little bit of guidance, even though I was in there in the midst of that, but I also had a little bit of protection. And, um, so it was different, man. You know, I grew up, I played basketball. So that kind of kept me out of trouble. I never really got into things that some of my, you know, other people or some of my other peers got into. And then eventually, you know, I was able to graduate high school, man, and go to college and, You know, and I think that I have to credit that to the fact that I had great parents and then I also had great mentors when I was playing basketball, other people that I saw went on to college and do other things. So I was like, okay, this is something, this is real to me. I don't have to, you know, be hustling or do any of that kind of stuff. I, I have mentors that have shown, like, look, I came from Richmond and I went to college, so, you know, I was able to go to UC Berkeley and move on. But it was, um, it was interesting, man, you know, growing up. It was, like I said, it was a lot of violence, but at the same time, you know, it was a sense of community. You know, it was, even though it was like, you know, a lot of hood shit that was going on, but it was just like the lady next door, the lady across the street and the people behind us, you know, they all like my mother all knew them. So it was like a family. It was like aunties and uncles all around. So it was like everybody watched after everybody to a certain extent. So there was a, um, there was a very strong sense
0: of community and family. You said that you played basketball. Uh, did you play in high school, or was that uh, just strictly with your friends?
1: You no, know, I played in high school. Yeah, I played in high school. Uh, um, you know, played AAU ball. I traveled quite a bit. I didn't play in college, though. By the time I got to college, that's when I started, like, kind of rapping. and You know, basketball kind of failed. You know, it's just like a hobby
0: thing, but yeah. What was the, the career high for you playing basketball? What was th- the moment that you would look back and reflect on?
1: Um, I remember um, I had a couple cool homies, man. I You know... I got to travel on some pretty exclusive teams. Um, you know, um, I played, you know, I played, uh, you know, a, it, there's two parts of high school basketball. You know, it, there's your high school career, and then there's your AAU career as well. So, you know, I played on a, some pretty exclusive teams when I was in the AAU, shared this, you know, was on the same team as like Chauncey Billups guys who were in the NBA. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We played against them. And then I remember in high school, there was actually a tournament, Um, pretty exclusive or pretty uh, competitive, really competitive, like teams from all over the country came and played in um, uh, the De La Salle tournament. De La Salle is known for their football, but they also have a pretty good basketball team, and they hosted a tournament every year here in the Bay Area. And um, our team, uh, I was named like all tournament team, along with a lot of other great players, you know, who went on to like go to the NBA and stuff like that. So that was like pretty cool. You know, I was just like, hey, you know, my name is forever – minute in that, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you look back, you know, in the late 90s, you'll see, boom, I, you know, I was, I was on that team. So that was, that was cool. But yeah, I mean, you know, the whole experience was great.
0: At what age for you, did you start uh, picking up a microphone or start rhyming?
1: Oh, I didn't start, I didn't start until kind of later, like, uh, I would say like 19, 20, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, I, I didn't record an actual song or record like myself rapping till I was,
0: I want to say nineteen. And were you were you already like freestyling before that, or rhyming with friends before that, or what was the the yeah, transition?
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I always freestyle. I mean, I think the first time I attempted to like really freestyle was like when I heard Nas. It was written. I mean, Nas ilmatic. You know what I mean? When I heard that, I think I was I was a senior in high school, or or no, I was like a junior in high school, and I heard that, and I was like, whoa, this is dope. You know what I mean? Like, this, it really, like, I had never heard rap in that way. Before that, I was mainly into the music, you know, like, m- mainly into the beats, mainly, like, you know what I mean? It was just like, I mean, I, I had an appreciation for lyricism, and you know what I mean? Because I always loved, like, Big Daddy Kane and, like, you know, like the older kind of stuff like that, Rakim, uh, Ice Cube, early Ice Cube and NWA and stuff like that. But I was more, definitely more focused on the music side, you know? I was just, like, more in amazement of production, and then when I heard Nas, I was just like, yo, i never heard anybody rap like that. You know, and that's when I was like, yo, maybe, you know, you know, and well, I didn't take it seriously at all, but I was just like, you know, if I, w- if I was going to rap, I would write rhymes like that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that was my first blueprint to like want to rap Was when I heard Nas' Illmatic.
0: What was the spot when you were, you know, starting to rap? Uh, where you're growing up, that you would go, whether it was a, a club where all the, the shows happened or a place where you'd cipher with your friends, whether it was the backseat of a car or a bedroom, or where would you go?
1: Well, the place, I, there was a place, actually, I had a friend of mine who had, like, a, I mean, he wasn't even a recording studio, but he had, like, recording equipment, like a microphone in his closet, and every week, me and two of my friends, you know, they used to go first. They used to, like, man, we're going over here, we writing these raps, and I was like, really? That seems cool. You know what I mean? Like I might want to try that. So one day they brought me along, you know what I mean? And I just got kind of, I was like, Whoa, this is cool. You know, and I wrote some raps and, you know, recorded it in the closet. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, we used to go there every week. That was like the place where I honed my skills. Cause we did that for years, like two years or just like every week, once a week, like every Friday or either every Saturday or Sunday, we would go over there and we would just record, you know, we weren't paying any money. It was just somebody's house. It was a friend of ours, and we just had fun. And you know, our friend he made beats, and we would just go over there and rap these random raps just over all these beats. And you know, over the time period, you know, you just start to hone it and get your skills together. And it was um, I don't know. That's I definitely that's where
0: I like started developing. You know what I mean? A skill set. You mentioned that you went to UC Berkeley. You you hold a bachelor of arts degree from there. Uh, what was your experience in college like there?
1: Um, my experience was, it was cool. It was, um, uh, what was it like? It was, um, I was definitely started rapping by then. You know, I had just, you know, like it was still just like kind of, you know, home stuff. But, um, my education area was great, man. You know, I had always wanted to go to UC Berkeley because like I said, I had mentors that were older than me who were already going there. And I was just like, yo, whether I play basketball or not, I always want to go to Cal Berkeley. So when I was able to get my grades together, I went to community college for a couple of years, and I was able to transfer, and I got accepted to Berkeley. It was like a big accomplishment for me. I was very happy. My family was very happy. And um, I took my education very seriously, you know, especially in the beginning. Like I, I got all straight A's, um, like I think the first year. And then, like the second year, I kind of started my focus. Even though I was like – that at that point after the first year I was kind of like all right I know I can do this college shit you know what I mean hmm. so then I started like focusing on like rapping more I started getting more into the art form and just like learning to craft rhyme so not saying I didn't take school seriously but like I had to split my priorities up like school was definitely a priority but rapping was a priority to me too and that you know was a priority as well so I um you know I split my time you know I wasn't just like go to school come home study do this you know what I mean I started like all right go to school. But when I come home, I'm going to start working on these songs and stuff, too. So I had to balance it out. And by the time, um, you know, I, I graduated, and, you know, and I still kept a pretty good grade. It wasn't straight A's, but it was like, you know, I did what I needed to do. I was I was really ready to get I was ready to get done. And I was like, y'all want to get this done so I can just fit, focus on rapping. You know, like, mm-hmm. I want to focus on really trying to do this. So by the time it got to my last semester, I was like, all right, yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, let's go. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was like, I just wanted to get it done.
0: So you did African American studies there. What was the uh the thesis that you wrote or the the essay that you remember writing in college, the one that really sticks out to you?
1: Oh man, I wrote a lot of I mean, when you're African American studies um major, I mean, all you're doing is writing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, gosh, it was so many. I mean, I wrote a lot of different um I remember around that time a very hot topic was um, it was around the time Eminem was, like, becoming prominent. You know what I mean? It was, like, at the peak of Eminem. You know what I mean? Like, when Eminem was, like, the number one guy, like, 2002, 2003. And I remember I wrote a paper on um, uh, white appropriation of, you know, black music, and, um, and specifically in hip-hop. You know, not that it was a good or a bad thing, just the fact of, like, you know, that um, how, white, how white artists have appropriated, you know, quote-unquote, black music. And um, that was definitely a paper that, that got a lot of um, you know what I mean. That was just like very uh, in tune with the times, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because like we had never seen at that time we had never seen a prominent white hip hop artist. You know what I mean? Now it's you know you it's, you see it all the time, you know what I mean? But you know you take it back ten, twelve years ago that wasn't as prominent Eminem was like the first to really get accepted like within mm. the hip-hop community not within the pop community because you had other stuff like Vanilla Ice of course but Eminem was just like yo you know what I mean? He had Dre behind him other artists everybody accepted him into the community which was a great thing but it was just a very new dynamic so I wanted to kind of like talk about that and how it you know and how other culture uh, how other genres of music how you know this had happened too, you know, talking about jazz, rock and roll, how these are primarily started off as african American um art forms within American you know soil, and then they got appropriated by the mainstream
0: uh one thing else that i I learned when I was doing some research about you is that you used to work uh, doing uh, mentoring with kids. Tell me about that,
1: yep, um, just talk about it, yeah, I mean, I did it <laughs> 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 I. die uh I, um, I, you know, for many years while I was in college, this started while I was in college, I, um, was mentoring, um, specifically, um, young men between the ages of like 11 to like 17. So we, you know, the organization, it was a nonprofit organization, and the, the program that I ran, it was called the Independent Living Skills Program, and we tutored as well as mentored young boys, like helping them prepare for, you know, for one, helping them as much as, uh, as much as possible with the academics and helping them prepare life after being you know for life after high school, like how to be independent, how to fill out a job application, how to fill out a college uh, application, how to you know manage money and the things that you have to look forward to when you're going to be on your own because eventually one day you're going to be on your own and we kind of just wanted to help them usher them into like dealing with independence and manhood. So it was that kind of it was great man I did it for many years um it wasn't until about three years ago I stopped doing it because you know I was just so busy with music and it was like you know music was you know doing music and doing everything within hip-hop I, I just wasn't able to do the both, you know do the do both of them at the same time so I had to kind of like you know pick and choose and I had to you know unfortunately I miss a lot of those kids and working with them but, you know, I feel like I can help them in other ways, you know, as far as with my music and putting positive energy out there.
0: What was the, the most rewarding part of that work for you?
1: Just, you know, I don't know, but connecting with the kids, man, connecting, you know, connecting with them, seeing how, you know, you can have a positive influence on their life. You know, I mean, not every kid is going to go to college. Not every kid is going to, you know, some of them are going to get in trouble, but I think overall generally speaking you know it was a positive effect and a lot of them even now you know because like i said i did this for about 10 years after i graduated high school um and some of them are like you know old a little bit older now and they they they, they hit me on facebook or i see them out in the street some of them actually come to shows and be like yo man i love your music and i remember when you was helping us you know what i mean so that, mm-hmm. that makes me happy to know that not only could I have been an example then, but to be an example now, to see that you know, to see their growth as young men,
0: um, it's very rewarding. So you were working in a mentorship role with them. But is there anything that that you learned from them, or that they taught you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I learned patience for one, and I learned that um, just to be sensitive to everybody's situation. Um, you know, you're dealing with so many different people from different. Situations, different backgrounds, and and um, learning how to, um, I don't know, lo- learning how to just deal with people and learning how to understanding their struggles and being sensitive to everyone's struggles and yeah.
0: Earlier on, you were talking about uh, you know how you didn't realize it until later, but the the impact of having both parents in the household, uh, is that something that clicked in as you were working with these kids, or or when did that sort of sink into you the the impact of having you know a, a steady parenthood coming up both parents
1: i mean that's something i was always aware of you know what i mean i mean i mean but until you get older then you really like oh you know what i mean like that's probably one of the reasons why i've held back on having like i don't have any kids or anything like now because i know my father was such an um especially being you know a a young man uh, your father my father was very very important in my life you know, not saying that single mothers can't do it because they've been doing it for for generations. But I know that my father was very, you know, I w- I'm very grateful to have had my father as well as my mother, but especially my father there every step of the way, you know, going to my basketball games, you know, telling me like, yo, son, don't do that. And then me doing it and fucking up and him saying, see, I told you, <laughs> now, you know what I mean? And ha- just having that voice, it was just a very... Um, I'm just grateful for having that because I know how important it is. So I know even for myself, you know, when I have a child whether it's a, you know, a son or a daughter, I want to be the same way. You know, I want to be there. I don't want to have to, you know, be gone for months at a time because I'm on tour. I can't, you know what I mean? Like I I wouldn't want to do that to, my, you know, my son or my daughter's mother, you know, so that's I, I, so why I'm kind of waiting until I'm a little bit more settled and more established to where I can take time and do that, and right now, you know, as you know, when you're independent and when you're growing and you're grinding, you don't really have time to slow down for too much, so I'm, I'm very appreciative of that, and um, my father was there for me, and he sacrificed a lot for me to do that, and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have kids until I'm able to make that sacrifice, too. But I was very aware of it, and I'm still aware of it. You know what I mean? My mm-hmm. father, I'm still very close with him. He's, a, you know, like my best friend. And,
0: yeah. Well, let's bring it back to the Lofty Goals. One of the things that comes up a lot on the album is this conflict of escaping self-doubt. Tell me about that struggle.
1: You know, it's always kind of been an issue of mine, man. You know, um, I-, I talk about it because I guess... <laughs> I guess I'm like exercising, demon, exercising demons as I'm talking about it because I just want to always keep myself aware of that. You know, um, that's something I've always struggled with. It's like um, doubt, anxiety, those kind of things because, um, you know, I'm a thinker. You know, I'm constantly thinking. I'm constantly always evaluating, and that's a great thing because I don't ever want to just be – just in the same place, I always want to grow. So when you grow, you have to self-evaluate, but also you run the risk of doubting yourself. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you, you always kind of evaluating and seeing, and then you are be like, oh, I could have did this better. And then you might harp on that too long. So it's a very thin line, you know what I mean? Between just, like I said, it's a very thin line between insecure and humble, mm-hmm. between cocky and confident, you know, like you have to, you have to be aware of these things. You have to sometimes you have to be a little cocky and then sometimes you have to know when to just like be humble and it's up to you to kind of figure that out. And, um, I try to, I don't know, I try to always, as much as I praise myself, I also like to be critical of myself too. You know, and these are conversations that I have with myself, you know, it's just like constantly evaluating and, um, yeah, it's something that I have to struggle with because of, because of that fact. And, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a part of life, you know?
0: So, Yeah. One of the struggles I think, and I, I feel the same way as you do, I, I'm one of those people that you know constantly thinks about so many things and it, you're right, it's such a benefit a lot of the time where you, you can work harder sometimes than other people because you're, you're always thinking but at the same time it can be a detriment where often your mind automatically, when you think too much on one thing, your mind automatically focuses on the most negative thing of all possible. Do you find that happening with yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, even with the album, you know, when I put out the album, uh, this this last album, completing this album, I was just like, at some point, I was just like, you know what, just fucking let it go. Like, it's done. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. Like, even while I was creating it, like, I, you know, it doesn't take me very long to write, so, you know what I mean, with a lot of times. The only, the only thing, you know, or even like, you know, I did a lot of, as well as along with my production partner, you know, we did a lot of the production on the album, too. And I, and since I've started working on production, like now I get hung up on that. You know what I mean? Now it's now it's not just the rhymes, it's the beats too. I'm just like, yo, this fucking snare doesn't sound right. We gotta go out and redo this and redo this a million times. And then eventually it's just like yo, it's fucking done. You know what I mean? Like either you put you do the best that you can, you put it out into the universe, and you know, hopefully people can connect with it and you, you do the and you and you go to sleep at night knowing that you did the best and you put the best effort that you possibly could or else you know you'll be working on it forever and I, at the end of the day you know I'm doing this music to inspire people and I want to put it out there I want it to be out there in the world and if I just keep it you know you know and keep on working on it and never put it out there then it serves no purpose other than my own selfish needs or my own insecurities and I don't I don't want that to happen so it's a thin line like I said you have to just eventually you just got to be like all right put it out there you know what I mean just let it go and and just see what happens and you know you just go from there
0: another thing that comes up a lot on the album uh, along with overcoming self-doubt is this concept uh and the struggle of overcoming pride uh you know you say things like my arrogant ways left me stuck in a mess and i i admit i made mistakes or that i admit that my mistakes got out of hand because i was proud yeah Uh, how has that journey gone for you overcoming pride Uh,
1: i mean it's um i guess it's like everything else man you know you it goes back to like um, like I was saying that thin line, you know, between having your, you know, you. I, I, I think it all comes down to being insecure, man, and, it, and that comes back to self doubt, you know. It's like I feel like people who are overly prideful, or overly cocky, overly, you know, arrogant or whatever, it's because they're insecure about something. And I and I had to be honest with myself about that. It's just like yo, when you're when you're overly boastful, you're really like it's because you're you're. Compensating, you know what I mean? Because you may be unsure, you may be insecure about something, so you have to put on, put up this. You have to puff yourself up a little bit, and um, and I was a victim of that too. You know what I mean? It's just like you know, but when you just get to the point where, in order to grow, you just got to put it out there, man. So I just figured, fuck it. I, I now I'm just now I'm spilling it out every chance I can. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> all kind of songs in different ways because it's, it's a liberating. And I feel like every time I do it, it's a growth. So I, uh, you know, so those are where those kind of notions and those lyrics come from. They come from me just like letting it out, um, putting the energy out there, and saying like, "Look, this is what it is." And um, I'm, I'm I've been a victim of this too, you know. And it's kind of my way of apologizing to anybody that I may have been like arrogant towards, or even the fans too. Like, yo, I, you know, this is my way of saying like, look, you know, I was, I may have been fucked up, or you know, but this is a part of life, you know, we're human beings, we all do this kind of
0: stuff. I want to bring up a tweet of yours, it's, it's sort of in a similar vein, you say, don't worry about other people's expectations, odds are they can't live up to them either. Can you get into that?
1: Yeah, man, I feel like um, I'm glad you brought that up, because, you know, um, you, you if you worry about A lot, you know, especially, you know, earlier in my career or doing music, you know, I I always felt myself trying to, like, catch up to what other people are doing or trying to, you know, meet other people's expectations. And the reality is, is, you know, you're putting unrealistic, you're setting unrealistic bars for yourself because you'll never reach that. You just have to do the best that you can. And, And most of the time, these people that you're trying to put on this, front for trying to live up these expectations for they can't even live up to them you know they're just they're putting on a show they're putting on a on on, and you don't understand that there's a lot that goes into that you may not know what that other person is going what's going on behind the scenes with them so you're trying to live up to what they're doing but they're they may be going something that you don't you don't wear about that you're not aware of so you just have to focus on you do what you do be the best person that you can be and you'll meet you you know what i'm saying you'll see growth and elevation and i feel like that's that's it's a struggle but i feel like that's where i've seen the most growth in myself is when i kind of just focus on that and not worrying about what other people want you to be
0: do you think that ties into you know how social media this environment that we're coming up in right now where everybody is putting out their best self you know you see people posting all of the highs but you don't see any of the lows behind that or any of the day-to-day mundane things that people are doing do you, do you get a sense of that as well
1: um, I don't really know, man I don't. I don't really pay too much attention to that To that stuff too much I know with myself I, um I try to be honest But at the same time, I also want to inspire people You know, I don't want to always focus on negative shit You know what I mean? Because we all know there's negative You know what I mean? We all know It's like It's like, um I don't know if this is off topic, but maybe you can kind of understand where I'm coming from. It's like, um, and and I guess this varies for every individual. It's like when you're trying to come up, like let's, let's just say that like this rapper you're you're Let's just say this, this hypothetical rapper and this rapper, you know, he's struggling. He's an independent rapper. He's trying to come up and people always say, well, you you know, you don't need to have, you you need to have people that are honest with you and you don't need to have yes men around. But I almost kind of disagree with that. I, I believe like, you need yes, man. You need people to boost your confidence. You need people to, to to give you that because it's hard out here, man. Like, you know, for myself, I feel like a lot of my career, I had a lot of no men around. You know what I mean? And like, that can be bad too, because it's like people always just like, yeah, you know, like, you need people to, to, to encourage you. Like, yo, your shit is dope. Keep going. Because at the end of the day, what's dope and what's not dope is all that's all subject to opinion anyway. You know what I mean? Just because you think Locksmith is a dope rapper doesn't mean the person next to you thinks that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, so you need positive, basically I'm saying you need positive reinforcement. You constantly need that. You you and you, But you need to be, you you need to evaluate yourself as well, but you need positive reinforcement, man. You, you constantly need that. And it's like, I want to bring out the best in people. I want to give them positive reinforcement in my, in my music. Not that I'm saying I'm going to say unrealistic shit, but I want to show them like, like, hey, you know what I mean? It's okay to be you. Be the best you that you that you can be. I'm going to try to put out the best me that I can be, and hopefully it can it can uh, inspire you. And I, and I don't know if that's off the topic. I don't know about what other people are doing on Twitter or on these social networks. And you know, you know, women with fake butts and breasts <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, or guys, you know, flashing money they don't have. I, I you know, I'm assur- I'm, ass- I'm. assuming that goes on, but I try not to pay attention to that kind of stuff, you know. But I'm just saying, as, as far as me, I like to just put out positive energy, positive vibes, and-, and and hopefully inspire people because I know I need that shit. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I- sometimes, you know, when I'm going through things, I want to look, and when I hear music, I want to hear shit that's like, I don't know, maybe it's just because the climate that we're in is so much, you know, negative things that are going on. I I just gear more towards, Somebody that's going to inspire me and make me say like, "Hey, I can, I can get through this," you know.
0: Uh, talk about this. Uh, you're, you're mentioning being a, you know, the the some of the challenges of being independent and the kind of people that you need around you and how hard it can be. Uh, tell me about the the challenge of being an independent artist. What's something that you you didn't maybe realize until you were right in the thick of it that is uh, that maybe artists don't even think about. It. They say, you know, I want to go independent, but they don't consider the ramifications of what that really means?
1: Oh, man, I mean, there's a lot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's not easy, man. It's, um, it's just the balance, you know, finding the balance. You know, I'm very much an artist. You know, I'm an artist to my core. Like, I'm constantly creating. Like, even when I'm not in the studio, even when I'm not, you know, in front of a computer, I'm constantly creating. I'm constantly thinking. I'm constantly analyzing things and figuring out how I can make it a beat or how I can utilize it as some kind of strategy for my art or something. You know what I mean? And, um, it's difficult, you know, being independent, you know, like, you know, you're a staff of maybe, you know, one or two, you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And then you maybe grow to maybe five or six or seven, you know what I mean? And then you get to maybe like tech nine status or something like that. But, you know, you're, you're essentially starting off with yourself. You know what I mean? That's, you know, hence the title independent, So you're, there's a lot, man. I mean, you know, you have to worry about business, you know, this is the music business, you know, and I want to do music for a living. I don't want to have to have another job or anything like that. So how do you monetize your art? And that's a a very thin line, you know, with the, I mean, there's the very, there's the ethical, you know, me aspect of it. And then there's just the actual physical aspect of like managing your own business. You know what I mean? Day to day, returning emails, doing spreadsheets, scheduling appointments, make sure you spend time doing your taxes. You know what I mean? Coordinating with an accountant, um, you know what I mean? Constantly checking on your your checking account and make sure that money is coming in and out and reporting these things. Like, you know, this is a, it's, it's an actual business and that's not, you know, that's not, that's time that you could be spending on rapping or making beats or being creative, but you have to you have to, what do they call it, uh, compartmentalize? Mm. You know what I mean? And say, okay, you know, I'm going to spend this time to do this, and I'm going to do that, and you know what I mean? And you know, this just, but it, that's what you have to do as an artist. But it, but I definitely, it, it you learned the business, you learn how to do it, and you know, and I'm learning how to do it, and I and I, do, and I feel like it makes you, um, I don't know, you have a different sensibility as opposed to just like, hey, everything's done for me. You understand how to work everything, and you have a knowledge, so you have a business sense because you have to.
0: Being a, an independent artist and being a, a company of one of sorts, has that forced you to uh, confront yourself and deal with yourself in a certain way, really get to accept who you are and accept things like uh, you know, admitting admitting that you have self-doubt issues or, or sometimes uh, can be too proud? Is that something that comes from being, um, I guess, being forced to deal with yourself?
1: Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think that's just kind of the person that I am. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or you know what I mean? But I don't I don't think I I think I think just being independent is just, you know, a necessity <laughs> most of the time. You know what I mean? I mean to be completely honest, it's just it's a necessity. It's like, yo, this is what I want to do. I want to do music. I don't have money to do to hire people, I don't have these kind of things, I don't have a record deal, but I know this is what I want to do. So I'm gonna do it and this is the only way I, and you just build it. Over the years, you know, you you build a little team. You say, "Hey, this guy's gonna do this for me, and hopefully, he can help me out over here." And she's gonna help me out over here. And then you, you know what I mean. You just start handling it yourself. So it's just—I don't know. I think it's just that just came out of necessity. Mm-hmm. But as far as like you know, the other thing is just like I don't know. It just has to be with the person
0: and who how the person is. As far as uh, independent versus being on a label, you have a line in for now where you say, "Being honest is a wealth deterrent." Can you dig into that line?
1: It's uh, you know, I've had like I said, you know, people in the industry if you know, or certain people have been like, you know, I, I don't I, I guess I don't know, I guess I give people more credit than maybe some people do. Like some people say, Look, you know, people don't want to hear that, they only want to hear this, but I feel like I give people credit. I feel like people do want to hear more honest art or more, you know what I mean? music that resonates on a, on a conscious and a subconscious level. So I believe that, you know, even though naysayers may say, look, you've got to do one kind of thing. I believe like, if you give the people, like, I believe if you give the people fruits and fruits and vegetables, they will choose that over candy most of the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we all want a little candy sometimes, but I believe if you give them the option of having this right, beautifully natural, organic fruit that they are going to choose, you know, I mean, strawberries and cherries and, you know what I mean, kiwis and pineapples and, you know what I mean, all these things as opposed to artificially flavored candy. You know what I mean, even though that's mass-produced and it's easy, but I feel like if you give them the option, if you put it out there and you work it, it may take a little bit longer for it to resonate, but eventually they're going to be like, yo, I've been missing out. Like, I mean, you know how it is when you eat a really great organic ripe, you know what I mean, strawberries. Like, yo, this shit tastes better than any fucking processed, you know what I mean, like Mm – piece of fruit that anybody could give me so it just it just takes time for people to be like yo i've been eating this candy all day i I want some i want something real oh shit this tastes phenomenal yeah it's been here the whole time so it just it just takes time and i just feel like you know if you stick to that eventually it will be it will be able to resonate but you know some people they don't see that right away they just be like yo you got to do this you got to do that and i don't know just it just real shit just
0: takes a little bit more time for it to sink in I put this question to a couple other artists a while ago, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. What do you think is missing from music right now? What messages do you think are missing from music right now?
1: miss I don't. You know what, man? I, I mean, to be completely honest, man, I don't really, I don't really know. You know, I, I try. I can't really. I don't. I mean, what messages like? Music is art, man. You know, I, I guess, I get. I don't know, I guess sometimes I hear people say, you know, music, hip-hop has got to be this way, or hip-hop has got to be that way, or music is, I mean, this is art, man. You know what I mean? People create art, and the way people receive it is how they receive it. You know, I, I don't know about what messages, I mean, I know my message is missing because it's me. You know what I mean? So I have to... I have to interject my message and who I am and, and try to give people inspiration, you know, my life story or my struggles or what I've gone through because it's me. So I know that that's missing. Other than that, I really can't say. You can say, well, rap needs to be more political or rap needs to be more. Well, I believe there's a lot of political rap out there. There's a lot of conscious raps. There's a lot of party rap. It's all there. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, I just feel like the individual, how you perceive politics and how you perceive the party and how you perceive that is going to depend on the individual. And if you're being honest with yourself, then your art is going to be honest. So right. I don't know what's missing, but I know that my story is missing, and I'm trying to interject it. <laughs> uh,
0: now, this debate is circling a lot right now, and I've, I've been having this with some of the other people at the Come Up Show, talking about the uh, in hip hop. There's, I guess, there's two sides to things. This there's, there's the side of whether co-writing and ghostwriting is acceptable and credible or whether it should be totally uh, you know, looked down upon in the industry. What are your thoughts on, on whether co-writing is uh, is something that is... Does it get a pass from you or, or does it uh, not get your approval?
1: I'm glad you asked me this, man, because I've been willing to talk about this. Um, man, look, at the end of the day, when you're a songwriter, see, there's a see. This is what people don't understand. Like for a long time, I'm trying to I'm trying to formulate the right way to say this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, within hip hop, there's this whole thing about you know hip hop. You know, you're writing your lyrics, and, and and me being one of those guys, you know, being a lyrical quote unquote you know lyrical guy that people say, yo, like you know, he has lyrics, and he's a lyricist. You know what I mean? And people, you know, know I've displayed that many a time. But then there's also a side of hip hop is an art form. You know, it's a musical art form. We're making songs. So then there's the songwriting aspect as well. You know what I mean? And then there's a very big difference between being a dope rapper and being a dope songwriter or being a dope MC and being a dope songwriter. You know what I mean? Or being a lyricist. Like everybody's definition of these things are different. So everything is subjective. You know what I mean? Like, with, with, like your definition, I don't, I don't know. Like to me, people say, all right, well, People say, "All right, well, you know, if you're a lyricist, you got to have, you got to use this many syllables." And I'm like, I don't really know. I don't really know that. I mean, every that's subjective. Like to me, I might think a lyricist is one thing. I may think an MC, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. Like, so like all these different opinions are subjective. But then a songwriter, a songwriter is somebody who can write a song, or create a song where it makes for, at the end of the day, makes for a dope song that people can relate to, that people can sing along to, that has melody, that has something or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like when you're talking about co-writers and you're talking about people coming in, I personally don't think that there's nothing wrong with having someone come in and help you craft, co-write songs or do whatever you have to do to make this song a better thing. I believe that's collaboration. That's what you want to make the best song possible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And sometimes that may take just you. You might come up with it and be like, oh, this is it. And you know what I mean? It just might be you and the producer or you craft it yourself. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And then sometimes it may be collaborating with different people and bringing people in. Like, you know, you're really good with melodies. You know, what do you think of this track? And then they may come up with a melody. And you may fill in the words or they may have some words and you may switch things around. And you may fine tune it. I mean, that's anybody that understands songwriting knows that this is how songwriting is created. These are how songs are created. So, of course, within hip hop, you know, we're like, yo, you know what I mean? If you didn't write all 100% of it, I mean, I mean, you know, but I think that, I mean, well, I don't know if it's unfortunately unfortunate, but the reality of it is, like, hip hop has grown past, it's not just a subculture. You know what I mean? It's mainstream culture now. So, it's become to where hip-hop artists are pop artists. They're popular artists, so they're going to do whatever they can to create the best music. And I don't... Whether you think it's good or bad, you know, that's your opinion, but they're going to do whatever they can to create the best songs. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that that artist who gets help, he's not as credible as an MC as the person who doesn't? I mean, that's your opinion for you to decide, you personally. You know what I mean? Um, Me personally? I I mean, I don't... I can't, it just, I guess I would have to take a situation by situation, you know, whether, but who knows who's writing what, you know, we don't even know some of our favorite artists that we consider legendary if they got help. I mean, we've heard rumors, I've heard rumors about a lot of people, you know, but who knows what's been written, so I don't know, man, I guess at the end of the day, it's just up to your decision (laughs) on whether you, you know, whether you like it or or how you judge it, you know?
0: I have to admit, I was on the other side of the fence before this, uh, asking you the question, but you you made some good points, and... I have to reevaluate my stance now. <laughs> uh, n- yeah, man. I mean, it's.
1: I mean, dude, like, I mean, I, you know, personally, I've never had anybody write my lyrics. You know what I mean? I've written stuff for other people. You know what I mean? But I have had people help me with songs. You know what I mean? Like, to grow as a songwriter, to be like, yo, what do you think it is, hook? You know what I mean? And they just be like, oh, I don't like it. And I'd be like, well, what, why you don't like it? Mm, it's too many words Really? So then I go back and I'll be like What do you think of this? Oh, it's a little bit better And then I come back and what do you think of this? That's hot Oh, really? And then I realize, well, what did I do that was hot? And then I'll go to somebody, another friend And I'll be like, yo, what do you think of this? And they would be like, that's dope, but you should say it like this i am like, oh, that's a little bit better You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know? And then you, and then that's how collaboration happens And then they might be like, look, what do you think of this idea? i am be like, yo, that's a good idea, but that's not right This is how you should do it and then it's like, oh, shit, that's the shit. You know what I mean? Like, and then it comes out for a better song. So why wouldn't you want that? I don't I don't understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like you just know. Trust me, man. I've been in this shit for 15 years. You know what I'm saying? Nobody. I mean, you name them. There's nobody who's been successful for any sustained period of time. No artist has just done everything themselves. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. You have to. I mean, there's no person in the world who's done everything himself. They've, it's always they've had people contributing and, and, and helping them get better. Like, it's just no way. You know what I mean? I don't know to what degree, you know what I mean? And, and and how whatever with a degree that they do, you know what I'm saying? That's up to you to decide if you think it's credible or not. But at the end of the day, everybody's got to get hell, man. And this has come from somebody who – you know, as a lyricist and that can rap and all this kind of stuff. It's like, man, you as an artist, man, you have to be able to accept help,
0: you know? Uh, moving in a different direction, you mentioned before you, you graduated in African-American studies. Uh, this week, we're coming up to what will be one year since the death of Mike Brown. What do you make of what's going on in America right now?
1: I think I spoke about it in one of my songs um my, my recent album. It's called Fallen. I mean, it's just... You know, it's a frustrating thing, man, You know, see. First of all, I, I think that it's horrible for anybody to suffer. I don't I don't like to see death. You know what I mean? I don't like to see death, whether it's an innocent person or a person who – even a person who did wrong. You know what I mean? And, and then it's just like, yo, know, you know, I don't want to see them killed. I don't want to see cops get killed. So I think it's just very um, – it's a lot of turmoil. It's a lot of disparity going on in that country. It's always happened. I think this is – I mean – I don't I don't know man, it's just unfortunate. You know, it's, it's very hard for me to sit here and say that I can't sit here and say that all cops are bad. You know what I'm saying? I can't I, I can say that America has a um I mean when you have a society like we have, which is based on, you know, capitalism and everybody trying to get as much money as they can and you know what I mean, sometimes you you're gonna create this lower class of people and the lower class of people are gonna be the people that you feel like you can treat any kind of way. So when you have these kind of disparity you're gonna have issues like we have, you know, and it's I don't think it's just necessarily race. I mean of course race is a part of it because that's what this United States, you know, we this 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 country was built on slave labor primarily on the institution of, of racism and the institution of slavery which is, you know, based on which was justified through racism. So there are those those that, that that blood is still in the soil and it's still and these are the and these are like the, the the, those were the roots and the seeds that were planted, so this is what's coming up now, and it's not just it's not just the violence, too. Like I said in one of my rhymes, uh, I don't know if you ever caught this uh, Team Backpack freestyle, I said, well, you know, if Mike Brown doesn't exist, then neither does Jay-Z. America created both. You know what I mean? Like, if Mike Brown doesn't exist, hip-hop doesn't exist. Hip-hop was created out of the the, re- the same way you're, like, you're in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Hip-hop was created in the United States. It was created in the Bronx, New York. Here are you, somebody, all the way up in Canada. People all, I mean, I just recently traveled Europe. People all the way in Europe are reciting hip-hop lyrics, and they're doing hip-hop, and they love hip-hop. Created all the way across the seas. Like, this is how powerful hip-hop is. Hip-hop was created. There's a direct lineage of hip-hop that goes back to the transatlantic slave trade. You know what I mean? Like, the hip-hop is from that lineage. It's because Mm -hmm. it came from a a place of poverty and disparity because young black and Latino kids, their music programs was cut from school. They didn't have any instruments. They didn't have any, so they had to fucking find ways how to create music, so they created this culture called hip-hop. Cool. You know what I mean? DJ Cool Hurt um, is from Jamaica. You know what I'm saying? Jamaica is, he's from the islands, so the islands is the that was the seasoning place where slaves were brought from Africa. They brought them to the islands, to the West Indies, and to the Caribbean. So they were seasoned there first. So all this is embedded into the cultures, embedded into the soil. So then you have immigrants like Cool Herc who came up to New York. All this is a part of their genetic makeup now. So when they're, they're they're they feel the disparity, so they had to create something this this alternative culture to combat the struggles that they were going through, and they and then. This thing evolved called hip-hop, and that's what it is. So now it resonates with the whole world because it was created. It's the biggest, to me, hip-hop is the biggest and most influential modern art form. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? There's nothing more influential, influential in our culture in modern times. There's nothing been so, I mean, you have white people or people who are non-black who want to call themselves a nigga. Nigga is not a positive word. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's a it's not a positive thing. But people want to identify with it because the culture of hip hop is strong, is so strong, so powerful. And they don't even mean it in a negative way. They mean they mean it in a in a, you know, in a in a, to embrace you. You know what I mean? Like, what up, my nigga? You know what I mean? And you know, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's because of the power of hip hop. And the reason why it's so powerful is because it was created from the most horrific event in modern civilization, which is the transatlantic slave trade. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it was so long ago, but th- these are the fruits that have that have um you know these are the fruits that have have grown from those seeds. And hip hop is a part of that, and that's why. So this when you so I say that to say that when you look at everything that's going on, this is a part of the This the this is the this is all a part of it. You know, it's all branches of the same tree. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, I'll bring a full circle with this, and this will be my final question. Uh, fill in the blank for me. The world would be a better place if blank people
1: put love first because at the end of the day that's what it's about man i mean at the end of the day we're all one people i mean you know we look about we've created these barriers for whatever specific i mean race is not a real thing there's no such thing genetically as you're different from me because you're black or i'm different you could there is no there's more genetic Similarities between a black man and a white man than there can be between two black men. You know what I mean? Like you could be, I can be more genetically close to this white man than I can to my own brother. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Or somebody who's of the same race. Not excuse me, not the same, my same brother, but somebody that's of the quote unquote same race as me. Like so, it, mm-hmm. race is not a real thing. It's not based on science. It was, you know, it was created for social and political reasons. So when we start understanding that, like, none of these things, money, all these things are only the real thing is the emotion of love. And you have to have compassion and love for one another. That's the only way we'll be able to get over the things that are ailing the world right now is to understand, like, yo, you can't. And it sounds cliche, like, yo, just love. But, like, really, what else is there if you try to focus on money, if you try to focus on race? And I'm not saying that we should ignore all our race problems or ignore all our political and you know what I mean, uh, you know, whatever else is going on in the world. But we have to understand that the only way we're going to be able to understand one another is to have compassion and love for one another or else. We're going to constantly be in conflict with, with each other.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Is there anything else that I haven't asked that you want to still add?
1: No, man, I just uh, appreciate your time, man. It's a pleasure. And, uh, you know, it's all good.
0: Well, there you have it. If you want to know more about Locksmith, go to thecomeupshow.com. We've got more albums there. You can check out The Green Box. You can check out Lofty Goals, some of the videos off there. Check out A Thousand Cuts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. Follow us on SoundCloud, too. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Come Up Show. Once again, I'm Martin Baum, and thank you for joining me. See you next time.